There is a barrier that separates the known from the unknown. Beyond this threshold lies a battleground where forces of good and evil are internal conflict. The fate of mankind hangs in the balance and awaits the outcome. In every age and time, some of us are called upon to join the battle. My name is Conrad, along with my co-hosts, Drew and Duncan, and welcome to the 23rd episode of Stranger by the Dozen, the weekly podcast where we usually recap the adventures of Dr. Stephen Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, 12 issues at a time. You can find the show on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, and on any fine podcast app. You can contact the podcast at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com, on Twitter at strangerbythe12, that's strangerbythe12, on Tumblr at strangerbythedozen.tumblr.com, or on Facebook or Instagram by searching for Stranger by the Dozen. Give the show a five-star review, and I'll read the review on the air. And this week, to honor the release of the Doctor Strange movie to theaters, in, um, instead of our usual comic book timeline, we'll be recapping two earlier Doctor Strange films. Then after that, I'll have a review of the new movie with both spoiler-free and spoiler-full versions. Hey, how's it going, guys? Going hey, Conrad. Well, what's up? Really good now that we're watching movies, because uh, earlier this week, I stole a book from a witch, and now I've been cursed with temporary illiteracy. Oh, no! Listen, man, yeah. ever since the Doctor Strange, movie, Doctor Strange movie's coming out, I've learned that comic books, reading comic books is for chumps and suckers. Oh, jeez, yeah. guys. I I'm going to these... look at comic books on the silver screen. I hope that these um, various curses and opinions don't last till next week when we're right back in it with crazy comic book action. Well, but for now, for, the witch about that. Yeah, for now, let's forget about those book things and let's dive in with two feet to Doctor Strange, the TV movie from 1978, written and directed by Philip Daguerre, starring Peter Hooten, Jessica Walters, Eddie Benton. And Clyde Kusatsu. Oh boy! Uh, and yeah. Reynolds apparently. This this movie is that's Peter Hooten, man. Yeah, it came out in uh, 1978. It was um it, it it premiered on CBS and was sort of in the same. Li- it, it was definitely seeking to be in the same line as uh, I guess the Amazing Spider-Man TV show, but definitely the Incredible Hulk TV show. So from what I've from what I've read, is that this is more or less a failed pilot for a Doctor Strange TV series on CBS. Yeah, it's one of these things where it's like, um, you know, back in the day, that's what they do with shows. They'd have like a movie, and then if people like the movie, then they'd pick it up and, and, and make a show out of it. Um, that's pretty not, rad. Not, yeah, not so much in this case. Uh, Stan Lee said it's because it aired opposite of Roots in the late 70s, but I'm not sure about that. <laughs> um, yeah, there there are other reasons why this didn't take off all that well. That could become very apparent once you actually start watching the thing. Yeah, you can't blame Roots for this movie. Oh, geez. Yeah, it's true. Okay, so let's um let's get started with the recap and just sort of have some fun here. So it starts like in hell, where yeah. a demon guy empowers uh, Morgan Le Fay to kill the Ancient One. And or his successor in uh, a couple days, or else she'll be destroyed herself. Which is a little weird, considering that Morgan Le Fay is not actually a, you know, a mainline Doctor Strange villain to begin with. Yeah, my understanding is that she wasn't even that there wasn't even like a, a Marvel comic book version of Morgan Le Fay until a couple months after this show premiered. So it's a weird choice. 
That's almost too convenient. Yeah, I think it's mostly that um, they wanted to have like a female into you know they sort of decided that that that's who the better antagonist should be instead of just another evil dude, I guess. Sure. And uh, you know, oh, good. No, no, I just yeah, I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> but it, um, Morgan Le Fay's played by uh, Jess by Jessica Walters, who I think the average. Um, TV viewer probably knows as Lucille Bluth from Arrested Development, or as what's her name as Archer's mom on Archer. Yeah, Mrs. Sterling from Archer. Yeah. Yeah, but instead she, but you know, it's funny because this is 1978 or whatever. So instead of being sort of an older lady, she's younger and like you know wears wears like uh, diaphanous gowns and stuff. It's pretty excellent. <laughs> she definitely has like the most strange vibe about any of the characters in this movie even like the main villain well if you can even call him it that it just looks like a giant weird like satan-like monster with like six eyes mm-hmm. it looks like a giant muppet that's what it is it is a giant muppet i mean that's you know call it what it is yeah <laughs> so morgan the fake goes to earth and when she gets there she kind of possesses a uh, a, a random young woman and then uses her as a weapon against uh, Thomas Lindemer, who I guess is supposed to be the Sorcerer Supreme. He sort of fills like the Ancient One role in the Doctor well, Strange mythos, I think. He is referred to as the Ancient One, like near the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. But they give post credit scene. But we learn his name and stuff. Like he gives Doctor Strange a card. And he seems like he has sort of a, a human name, so it's not he's just, not just the ancient one the way the ancient one is in the comics and stuff. I will say that like actually like actualizing the ancient one into like a movie, calling the character the ancient one unless that's like sort of like a secondhand like title that he's being referred to as doesn't fit as like just a character's name. It starts like to come across really weird. So well, I just have to try to give him the real name. Yeah, I mean you can just call him Master or something. I mean that's what they do in. The second movie we're going to talk about today, the the, the, the cartoon movie. Yeah. But so uh, Morgan Le Fay takes control of this other lady, and the other lady pushes uh, Lindemer off the off a bridge, and he appears to die, but instead kind of gets up and magically heals his injury. And of course, since it's New York, everybody's like, "Oh well, that guy just got up and walked away, so no big deal." Yeah. Hey. Well, like you know, I mean, whatever. We we got business to do. <laughs> Yo, some of the best acting is from the guy who accidentally like hit that dude. <laughs> He's like the most dedicated to his character of like confused and shocked man. Right. No, he was that, that guy was actually showing genuine human concern. I know. Like even <laughs> even when he's like off camera, you can still hear that dude like, I he came out of nowhere. What do you want from me? That's probably just a regular guy that they threw somebody in front of, you know. They just pulled him off <laughs> yeah. the street. Like they just hired some ca- they just hired some New York cab driver and it's like just, you know, Wait here for, like, 15 minutes. Right. So, anyhow, um, injured and whatever, the Ancient One makes his way back to his house, the Sanctum Sanctorum, and meets with his friend Wong, who uh, cares for him and sort of looks for for the blonde lady, or for the, the possessed lady. And the Sanctum Sanctorum is really weird-looking, because it's like a regular... Yeah, but I mean, I guess, but it's like... It's like a door that sort of opens up to normal New York streets, and that's full of, like, papier-mâché stone walls, basically. Yeah, that, <laughs> like, that house is real weird looking on the inside. Like, it's trying to give the 
impression of being like a cave kind of thing or like a castle or something like that. But it just kind of ends up looking <laughs> ends up looking like, oh man, like there's just a lot of, there's just a big old set going on inside this house. Yeah, I think what's weirdest about that thing is not that it like looks odd, because that's essentially how it's always been defined, but mm-hmm. it looks quaint for like this insane sort of like psychedelic alternate laboratory. Yeah, and, and kind of like claustrophobic almost, as opposed to the Sanctum Sanctorum in the comics where they make a big deal about it being really like open and having these weird vistas and things like that, like balconies and stuff. This is Not more to, like a cave system or something. I was just going to say, not to nitpick, though, like, I don't know how much of that is just, like, limitations of the budget. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing since this is, like, a, a Saturday night CBS movie, they were probably operating on a shoestring budget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, suffering from the after effects of, and, like, the, the, the dream she has of being possessed by Morgan Le Fay, the possessed lady ends up in the, uh, in the psychiatric care of psychiatrist dr stephen strange at the hospital grown and this le- and this is really the big the big problem the big thing besides the bad guy being morgan lefay that's the hugest change from the comics i think no it is because there's <laughs> he's not a jerk why isn't he a jerk he's supposed to be he's, a jerk well one one he, a jerk he sort of goes in and out of being a jerk yeah. But also, there's no car accident. There's no hands being broken. There's no travel montage of trying to get the hands fixed. There's no, like, oh, I had to learn something about myself in his arc. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, honestly, like, I think the fact that they are missing the the note in the story where he breaks his hands is one of the, probably the worst decisions that they made. I think that it's so important to his character to have that sort of, like, total loss occur to him that you're irre- like irreversible act and yeah, it, for them to just uh yeah, they just yeah, cheapen his character become, he's supposed to become like this totally broken man who's willing to accept pretty much anything yeah and it yeah. just it makes his journey as a magician or whatever really weird because instead of like being instead, instead of like being skeptical but i'll do anything because i'm so desperate to get my hands fixed or something like that he just sort of shows up is like skeptical and that's just sort of all right well will eventually show you enough magic that you agree to become the Sorcerer Supreme. You know what I mean? Which isn't even that much. They teach him one spell, and he, like, parrots it. And then he's like, I guess I'm really good at this. <laughs> I, also, I guess another... I'm awesome with the, with the magic stuff and whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, another thing that I have a problem with is they spend so much time in the hospital. Like, they clearly missed the what made Stephen Strange an exciting character. Yeah, it's basically this movie's basically a hospital drama, or like the middle, the middle third of it is is just um, like we find out that the lady's name is uh, is 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 Clea Lake or Clea Lake or whatever. So that that's your your Clea in this movie, um, <laughs> and then it's like a huge amount of this movie is just Doctor Strange fighting with hospital administrators to like um, have her like make her be more comfortable and not. Um, have her be forced to go to sleep because that's where Morgan Le Fay can get to her in her dreams and stuff like that. There's like, so much time spent on that back and forth of like, take the meds. I didn't assign medicine. Well, I did, and I overrank you, and blah blah blah. Like, hold this person down. Like, uh, it's so <laughs> unnecessary. Yeah, I will did, say this: that that one nurse is just like a massive jerk. 
Yeah, there's one sort of older head. Like there's two. There's kind of two nurses. There's one young nurse that's kind of Doctor Strange's friend, and then one older nurse that's kind of a nurse ratchet kind um um type. <laughs> just like forcing medication on everybody and being mean to all the patients and stuff like that. I also want to say a quick aside, like. That was like a legit fear that I had growing up is that like I would be in the hospital somewhere and like some evil doctor would try and make me take medicine against my will. <laughs> like, and that like seeing that scene, like awoken something inside of me, like, oh, right, this is terrifying. Also, <laughs> it actually kind of did a good job then. Just by tapping into oh, your visceral uh, fear I, or whatever. <laughs> I'm not going to give them too much credit for a well-established fear that I already have. <laughs> for sure. But yeah, so eventually, um, like, Wong come or the Ancient One and Wong visit the hospital and talk to Doctor Strange. We find out that, or, like, the, Lindemer, the Ancient One, gives Doctor Strange a business card, and it's got that same, uh, like, hashtag symbol, sign of the Vashanti, that uh, is on a ring that Doctor Strange has that his father gave him back in the day, I guess. And it's sort of... Eventually, we find out that this is like to mark Stephen when he was a kid as as a someone with magical potential, though he they they, they never acted upon it. Sure, I mean, it's like okay, so your your father's like, well, this kid has magical potential. Let's give him this special ring that will one day signify something. Yeah, it's it, it, like they kind of make a big deal about um, how after that they kept him ignorant about magic stuff, and that kind of protected him because because he didn't know. So once he, if he learns about magic, he'll lose that that protection. This is so annoying. There, why does anyone care about Stephen Strange in this movie? He's just like a regular kind of hospital worker. He doesn't have anything magical powers. He inherited like a ring from a dude. You could put it on anyone. Like it, he's just a regular dude. Nothing happens to him. There's no change of character. It's literally like, hey, do you want to join the secret club? And he's like, uh. At okay. first he's like no, and, and then he's like yeah maybe, and then he's like yes, you know. And like. It's, it's exactly that length, too. Like, he, he he just kind of, like, you know, tosses it about in his head for a couple seconds, like, hums and haws, and he's like, okay, I guess I'm not doing anything today. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I guess I'll join your super secret magic club or whatever. <laughs> I, I guess that could be cool. <laughs> so, eventually, like, what with one thing and another, I guess, um, Morgan Le Fay manages to infiltrate the Sanctum Sanctorum. And she kills Wong, which is BS, and she sort of traps Wong. the ain't... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, Wong is the lucky one in this scenario, because he got to stop watching the movie. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's actually a pretty interesting Wong in this version of the story, though, just because he's, like, an Asian dude in, like, a suit who seems very, um, like, put together and sort of in charge of things, you know? Like, not to the extent of the cartoon version, which has a super badass Wong, but, like, it's interesting that they've chosen to make Wong, who's, who, in 1978, is still very much like Doctor Strange's sort of background servant-type character, to be someone who's a little bit more capable and who's not strictly, like, a manservant or something like that. I'm just going to go ahead and throw this out here, but I'm willing, I'm just going to go ahead and say that Wong is probably the best casting in this movie, period. <laughs> I mean, he kind of does a good job of being, like, a, a distinguished dude, I think. I don't think the guy who plays the Ancient One is that bad. Although the guy who plays Doctor Strange is pretty bad. Oh, yeah. no, the guy who plays Strange is just so bland. <laughs> He's got, like, that weird, like, 70s white dude fro going on and just... Yeah, uh, he's got the super... 
he's got he's got he's got the super perm and the mustache and the deep voice. It's like, ah, oh, I'm Doctor Strange. Yeah, I really like if you put a Hawaiian T-shirt on him, it would just be like the full package. <laughs> yep, that would definitely be Burt Reynolds right there. But so, eventually, um, like Doctor Strange starts having a relationship with Clea after she is discharged from the hospital, which doesn't seem super cool to me ethically. No, nope, but whatever. That is so bad. <laughs> you even acknowledge it in the movie twice. It's like, well, you know, as your doctor, we're not supposed to, you know, be doing anything, and and it's like, well, you're not my doctor anymore. It's like, what is happening? So, yeah. but. It, he goes to have dinner at her house, and then Morgan Le Fay's there, and he's like, ah, instead, oh, come with me, and, I get, and I'm going to offer you, and I'm going to give you the classic devil's bargain, you know? Yeah, that's another problem that I have with this movie, is, like, they just, like, will so barely, like, dip their toe into, like, some unnatural, like, mystic plane for a second, and yeah. then they just rip us back to a boring reality, like, oh, sorry, Stephen Strange, I know that we were looking at all these demons, this weird, like, planescape, but... We've got to go have a boring dinner, and then, like, yeah. you know, you've got to go, like, do your rounds at the hospital. Right. I guess earlier I skipped how um, they, they uh, Cleo was in a coma, and Doctor Strange manages to snap her out of it by uh, going to, going, traveling inside her brain in sort of sub-2001 A Space Odyssey kind of special effects of, like, a crazy tunnel that he's flying down and stuff, and moving through a demon dimension with, like, some kind of hazy fog over the camera a demon shows up and he banishes him by saying like you know in the name of Rylea the demon hunter I banish you or whatever Yeah. and then just sort of oh yep now you're saved alright time to go back to yeah. where everyone was like really interested the hospital yay yeah, man, Maybe you don't that... know. Like, hospital dramas were probably big in the late 70s I don't know yeah who cares about magic and mystery when that mean old head of the psychiatric departments worried about their being about the beds being too full over the weekend i just think that that's like the equivalent of saying like hey let's take batman and make it a show about the cops like there's enough cop shows out there no one would be that crazy to do something like that burn <laughs> that is a burn all right we got to get some magic magical healing to take care of those third degree burns <laughs> but so eventually um Morgan Le Fay manages to ambush Stephen Strange, and they both go to, like, the astral realm. She offers her a lot of stuff. She's like, says, like, you know, oh, like, Clay will be unharmed. I won't kill her, and I will um, offer you love and wealth and power and knowledge, and they kind of make out, and then... She gives him this badass costume. Yeah. I will say this. That, that costume is rad. It, 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 I, it's also, like, accentuated the fact that, like, after being offered, like, wealth and, like, safety for, like, Clea and all that sort of stuff, like, when he gets the costume, he's like, oh, snap, this is really good. Like, <laughs> okay, now you're talking. I describe it as a uh, as a Doctor Strange Halloween costume combined with Mr. T, basically. Because oh, yeah, <laughs> he's rocking that bling. He's got a ton of gold necklaces and stuff and, like, some sweet cloaks. <laughs> but eventually he uh he spurs her and is like no way i'll do it my own i'll, I'll do it my own damn self and he rescues the ancient one and and they retreat to the earthly realm revive and revive wong and then the the evil demon guy turns morgan le fay into an old hack oh no can i just say like this is what I was talking about. Like, he goes, he rescues the Ancient One. He actually has a conversation with, like, God, which is super weird. Mm -hmm. And then he gets, like, this 
also sort of odd final costume and goes back to working in the hospital. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? This movie, this movie refuses to end. Like, yeah, after after he brings the Ancient Ones back, the Ancient Ones sort of offers him a chance to be to either, like, sort of continue in ignorance. He, he basically offers him the red or the blue pill. You know, you can continue in ignorance, <laughs> or you can become Sorcerer Supreme. And um, I think there's, there, there's one good, like, the one good line he offers him is that, like, I can promise you, like, knowledge and power and an, un- and an unhappy death or something like that. <laughs> I missed that. But okay, the thing that really gets me is that after all this, he accepts the ancient one's offer to mm-hmm. become his student, and then he just goes back to the hospital. Yeah, yes. thank you, Drew. <laughs> uh, totally, he's got to maintain his secret identity now. He's got what oh. doctors, what the actual Doctor Strange never had um, a secret identity. He's got to juggle. He's got to juggle his round to the hospital and like taking care of patients along with being the Sorcerer Supreme. Hey, that's a good idea. I'm going to go back in time and make sure that this show never gets made. <laughs> so, yeah. So, it all happens. Uh, Doctor Strange gets a sweet new costume. That's going to be his potential Sorcerer Supreme costume. God, I hope not. That costume really sucked. <laughs> it does. It's, it's everything that's wrong about trying to take a superhero comic book costume and bring it into real life. <laughs> uh, it's got a sweet star in the belly, though, like a sneech or something. <laughs> yeah, but, like... <laughs> Like, like the evil costume that he got was so much more badass than like the thing that he got for you know being a good guy. Seriously. It's true. It's just generally the problem of spandex in real life, you know. Uh, but yeah, so if he go- he goes back to being like a hospital, and like a lot of patients have been are being discharged because there's no longer under the grip of evil or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> um, he's he, Doctor Strange is now dating Clea, and like she has no memory of what happened, but. On the TV, ooh, <laughs> we see that LaFay is back, young again, and posing as like a self-help guru for the LaFay method. And it's like, oh man, this is going to be the perfect setup for a week, for a uh, hour-long adventure every week on primetime CBS. Oh yeah, baby. <laughs> Tuesdays at 8 p.m., 7 Central. <laughs> was, yeah. was the Hulk an hour? I think it was, as I recall. I don't know, man. All those shows are an hour long, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, runtime 44. Are, yeah, back then, it was, the, the runtime was, yeah, it was an hour long show. That's crazy. Jeez. But so yeah. this. Imagine the hour of that every week with like 10 minutes of him actually going to some alternate dimension. 90% pro- hospital drama. I bet a lot of the uh, magic stuff would actually just be, would be stock footage or reusing like the traveling through the astral plane stuff that we saw in this episode <laughs> like like voltron style you know yeah. i i am sincerely glad they didn't make this tv series because it would have been just awful but the uh the film closes with dr strange watching his street magician and um messing oh, with his act the worst. <laughs> which is just, just like encapsulates everything that's terrible about this movie the way that it decides to end with this one last stupid like smirk to the camera <laughs> Yeah, so so that's basically it. You know, it it's a weird Doctor Strange story just because it doesn't. You know, I honestly I sort of joke sometimes about how the the, the roteness of any of Doctor Strange stories is because they always have that same sort of opening element. You know, arrogant car crash hands disciple that you know uh, travel montage that kind of stuff. <laughs> but you see now 
now we know. Now we know if they deviate from that formula, it turns out terrible. Yeah, like the the journey of Do- of Doctor Strange in this in this uh, movie is real bad, just because he he feels like he feels the same at the beginning of the movie and the end of the movie. He's gained these powers, but he hasn't like learned about himself or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like he I hasn't like what powers like. He, he That's true. One spell, and he had glowy hands for two seconds. That is super true. <laughs> he shot some laser beams out of his fists. It was something. Yeah, I hear at the end of the series he's going to learn how to fly, though. So stay tuned for that. I mean, it does seem like it. To, like they, they, they kind of talked about how he has the potential, but he's got to learn to control it or whatever. Which to me sort of does presage a uh, a greatest American hero kind of like. All right, you. As he fights the monster of the week, he's also learning new powers and blah, blah, blah. It's basically, what's, that's what's going to come down to. He's going to get a new power every week, and he's going to face a new monster of the week. Right, that's, what a, that, that's what that show is going to be. Yeah, and, and then occasionally and, 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 and then occasionally showing showing down with like Morgan Le Fay like every five episodes or so. You know what I mean? Just sort of as the myth arc or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's what The Incredible Hulk is like, too, where he just sort of hitchhikes around from one town to another fighting another monster of the week, you know, and then occasionally they play the, um, again, the stock footage of the, of the transformation from what's his name to Lou Ferrigno, you know, like that's sort of the nature of these seventies, uh, uh, superhero shows. They only have so much money. You know, they can only do so much. Yeah, no, nobody's willing to throw all that much money at these things. And I think there's just limitations of what they can actually do also, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah so okay do we have uh, uh, let's have some uh, final thoughts and uh, ratings for this Doctor Strange movie what do you guys think what's the worst rating on the scale so I can <laughs> give it that okay <laughs> so it's, it's just bad don't don't even bother like even so, morbid curiosity know, just don't here's what I'll say like that movie is watchable with friends and miserable on your own Hmm. Yeah, it did have that kind of feel of uh, of something that that could be made fun of, but when you're watching it by yourself, you're just kind of watching a bad movie, so who's the joke on, you know? Yeah, you're <laughs> just watching a bad movie and cracking jokes to no one. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, so I think I, we, we all agree. Uh, Doctor Strange, 1978, missable. You should miss Hard it. Hard pass. Yeah, just, like just not don't. even for completionists, really. Like there's a reason don't why even. it's been largely forgotten. If you want to, if you're like getting like bummed by maybe like some sort of like racist Doctor Strange comics, and you're like, this isn't good, you could go watch the worst part of Strange's history, and then be completely reinvigorated. <laughs> All right, let's move on to hopefully better fields, and let or actually no, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and we'll do uh, Doctor Strange 2007, the cartoon movie. Okay. Stay tuned. It's gonna get way better. All yeah, right. It can only it can only get better. Unless we it's... watch this 1978 one again. Uh, <laughs> never again. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, I'll we'll see everybody after this.
And we're back! The movie edition of Stranger by the Dozen! I'm Conrad, and they're Duncan and Drew. Hey, guys! Hey, Duncan. Hey, Conrad. Hey, Drew. What's going on? You Not guys are you're messing with my reintroduction of the show, which I feel compelled to do. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's move on to the Doctor Str- to Doctor Strange, the Sorcerer Supreme, from 2007, directed by Patrick Archibald, J. O- Oliva, and Richard Sebast, written by Greg Johnson, Craig Kyle, and starring Bryce Johnson, Kevin Michael Richardson, Paul Nakuchi, and Michael Yama. So this is from a, a period of time when Lionsgate had a bunch of uh, Marvel animated licenses. And was actually putting out some pretty good stuff. Yeah, I remember there was an Iron Man movie from this era as well. They also did like World War Hulk at this time, which was rad. Yeah, it's a it, it's a fun you know they, they they made a bunch of these really kind of slick um, cartoon Marvel movies that were sort of trying to stand up to the, to the to the DC ones of the era as well, which was sort of a you know it was a good time for cartoon for like direct to video um, superhero ca- cartoon movies, I guess. Yeah, like, and they they. They put in some really good stuff, and I would highly encourage anyone to go check those out, because they're pretty good. Yeah. So let's talk about Doctor Strange, all right? This is a way more traditional uh, Doctor Strange story. You know, he starts out, he's an arrogant doctor, he's basically the house in a hospital. (laughs) And at the same time, um, like, monsters are running rampant over the streets of New York City. And they're being fought by this uh, basically magic superhero team of uh, <laughs> Baron Mordo, Wong, and assorted red shirt mystics, essentially. So, you know what? I was going to say this, but we'll just get into it right now. One of that dude, he has he fights with a bow staff, and he looks like an old Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure that's Gambit from another dimension. It's like a Could magic, be. magical Gambit. It probably is. <laughs> You jerks. All right. <laughs> oh, and also this magic team spends so much time cutting apart this, like, demonic cat that I started to feel really bad for the cat. It's just, like, yeah, they, the opening, like, 15 minutes is the is these mon- is these magic guys fighting as one monster. They, like, cut off its tail and then sort of chase it around the city and stuff. Yeah, and cut off its feet. And then they're just, like... You know, normally at the start of a movie, you let the like the monster show you its evil powers, and they're like, "No, we're going to show off the magical powers by like killing this monster right now." Right. Instead, we're instead we're going to show how badass our um, magic guys are. Instead, instead, you know. <laughs> exactly. But so, even though they're under ma- a magical uh, mist or whatever that makes them usually visible, Doctor, you know, the arrogant, callow Doctor Strange can still see them. As he drives into the hospital to be a jerk that night, essentially. Yeah, he just like hangs out in his office and then is like rude to people. Right. He he hangs out in his office. He's rude. Then he gets uh, his like mentor forces him to go down to the coma wing where he's also rude to like do- like his fellow doctors and uh, coma patients and stuff like that. But that's just what Doctor Strange do. Yeah, I mean, it's fine for the character. Like, he's supposed to be an arrogant jerk, and so you have to expect his arrogant jerkiness, right? Right. Yeah, totally. Plus, we also find out that there's, like, a very, um, you know, morbid reason for why he's a jerk. Because it turns out that Doctor Strange has a younger sister, or had a younger sister, I should say. He, uh... He was a jerk to her right before she died, and so now to like preserve her memory, 
he's going to be a jerk to everyone for the rest of his life. Uh, it wasn't he was well, a jerk. Go ahead, Drew. It wasn't exactly like that. <laughs> he, he's like, so like, he's doing the typical like bigger brother thing where he's like messing with her. He like smears a bunch of like makeup on her face, which I've never done, but whatever. And then like, they start like play fighting. And then all of a sudden she just starts having like a seizure. And like the last thing that he did to her was be a jerk. Now she survives after that because we learned later on that he became a doctor specifically to, like she has some brain problems, so he becomes a neurosurgeon specifically to like heal her. Right. And then he tries to do an operation on her. This is like the big reveal in the middle of the movie. Sorry, guys, but <laughs> but oh, but then spoilers, he, man, come on. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't think that this character was just written to be a plot device. <laughs> but then he fails and she dies, and that's when he's like, all right. Like, screw being a doctor to help people. I'm just going to get this money and this fame as a doctor that heals people and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, man, that's how you do. Get money. Exactly. Yeah, you're doing a good job of that. Yeah. Until he touches the shoulder of this girl who's in a coma and sees a demonic face. Ooh, spooky. Also, I just want to say, like, just because you call your villain, like, Dormammu or whatever, doesn't mean that Blizzard can't sue you for tracing their Diablo art, all right? <laughs> <laughs> it's super ironic because the voice of Dormammu is the voice of one of the main characters in Diablo 3. No way. Did I just, like... <laughs> like the voice awesome. actor is. Like, the the voice actor of Dormammu in this cartoon is the voice of, uh, what's his name? Uh, the main angel guy that you help in, uh, in Diablo Serial? 3. Yeah, that guy. Oh, man. That's awesome. <laughs> yes, uh, a one Jonathan Adams. Yeah, so, anyhow, after Doctor Strange touches the um, touches the coma girl, and turns out there's a bunch of other kids in comas, blah, 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 um, he's driving home, and he sees a bunch of ghostly coma kids, and Diablo staring right back at him. He gets in a car crash, and his hands, oh god, his hands, they're broken! And then we get the hand montage. Oh, man. That's really good. The I love montage. I love a hand. I love the globe trotting hand montage. You know, he travels the world trying to get his hands fixed. Everybody says no. He's losing money. There's it's like everybody says no, but I know a guy, but he's very expensive. Exactly. Just, like a line of that, just over and over and over again. <laughs> also, you see like X-rays of his hands, and they are just like covered with fissures. Like yeah. every single possible bone is broken at least once. Yeah, like it's not like sort of. I guess the cart. I guess the comic book version of Doctor Strange, where he's lost fine nerve control, like the 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 cartoon Doctor Strange's hands are like unusable. Like he just kind of got like flippers at this point. Yeah, everyone, just hold on to that information because we're going to circle back to it in a second. Please continue, Conrad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyhow, eventually, um, he is about. He no, he he he's not about to. He commits suicide. <laughs> he jumps off a bridge. <laughs> And then uh, when he hits the water, like suddenly finds himself back on the side of the bridge and, and Wong shows up and it's kind of interesting. Wong in this case is kind of an older guy with like gray hair and like, you know, is, is a competent dude. He fights with two swords and is super awesome. Actually, it's, he's it, as heck. it's the best Wong, I think, in this version. Yeah, Wong has absolutely no time for any of your, your garbage. <laughs> yeah. But so Wong gives Dr. Strange a map. And it's like, go to Tibet. It's the worst map I've ever seen. I would be so, like, nervous if I got that map and then, like, the command to go to Tibet. Because it's, like, 
it's a dotted line straight out of like family circus and then a couple mountains which are just triangles and i'm like i have no idea how he's supposed to like deal with this it's definitely not the kind of map that you look at it in new york city and be like yes i know where i'm going from here you know yeah but he manages to get the map to figure it out he makes his eventually shrucks his way to tibet and to the temple of the ancient one and is you know he's hand obsessed he's like you got to help me with my hands and everybody's like no man you don't need you don't need your hands you got your mind we we moved past it oh sorry i just want to say real fast like he goes to tibet and he climbs mountains with Mm -hmm. these broken unusable hands like he just kind of pulls himself up with like these mittens basically Dude is free climbing with these things. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have uh, I have a problem with this. And like, okay, at one point I'm just going to switch over and be the jerk who's like over critiquing this cartoon. But like his, his hands la- his hands later on are so bad that once he becomes a disciple of the ancient one and they force him to and, and they make him, you know, do the usual humility things of make him like uh, scrub floors or like break a wall with a hammer and stuff. He's got a tie the, the the scrub brushes to his hands with like ropes because he can't hold them because his hands are so broken. Yeah, but mountains are like those are easy. Hey man, he's got the drive of uh, getting his hands fixed, you know. Clearly, sure. He's he's on pure adrenaline, and it's adrenaline that fixes his bones. It's bone adrenaline. That's the best kind. <laughs> <laughs> so now we get the second montage, the training yeah. montage. Good old training well, for, montage. Or, oh, mean, go ahead, Drew. First, he, he does a thing where he goes to talk to the Ancient One. He's like, I, you know, I want you to fix my hands. And the Ancient One's like, dude, I can't fix your hands, man. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. There's, there's also a funny part where uh, Doctor Strange knocks on the door of the temple and, the, and Wong's waiting there. Like the guy who gave him the map and, and Doctor Strange isn't like, hey, you couldn't have given me a ride or something? Like, <laughs> what's going on? No, that moment comes later, but we'll get to that. Yeah. But so, when the Ancient One uh, rejects, or says he can't fix his hands, like Doctor Strange yells the Ancient One, the Ancient One has had his, his back to Doctor Strange the whole time, and Doc- and finally the Ancient One turns around, you see that he's floating in a lotus position, and it's like, whoa, this guy's got magic <laughs> powers. <laughs> but so, at this point, we sort of get a sweet uh, training montage, or like a, uh, a working hard montage, I guess. Yeah, so, like, Baron Mordo is, like, told that he is not going to take the role as, like, the next in line for the Ancient One. He's not, yeah. like, the chosen, he, like, follower, he, yeah. but he he's just, his job, and it's like this line is exactly, like, your job is to train him. It's like, oh, that sucks. Like, <laughs> Yeah. It's like, Mordo's def in, in this one, as opposed to, I guess, sort of the classic Mordo where it's just sort of just the classic like temple is sort of just the ancient one and Mordo and Mordo's a jerk and Dr. Strange sort of becomes the ancient one's disciple once Mordo, when Mordo reveals himself as evil, essentially in this one, there are more colleagues and Mordo takes some time sort of training Dr. Strange to fight using magical junk and things like that. Also Mordo, this is like, so we're saying this is the coolest Wong ever. This is mm-hmm. also the coolest Mordo in the history of time. He is so <laughs> rad. He is using like they 
they're training and they fight with these swords that are made out of air, which, uh, sidebar, if anyone wants to buy me an air sword, I'm super down. Yeah, that's a but, big, that, sorry, Doug, I just want to say, that's a big part of this movie is that magic sort of personifies itself as various sort of weapons and attack items and stuff like that. Like, it's very, like, a very direct kind of magic. Yeah, where for sure. Instead, instead of throwing bolts, you fight by making weapons and then fighting with those weapons, essentially. I don't know. That's something I can get behind. That's pretty rad. Yeah, it's it's rad. I'm not saying it's not rad. I'm just you know pointing it out. <laughs> yeah, it, no, it's so cool. And it's like they. I mean, it's also sort of what they do with it. Like, there's going back to Mordo being a like totally rad. There's a scene where they fight these like shadow werewolves, and Mordo just like jumping slashes like clean one in half and like cuts through the middle of this werewolf lengthwise. And I was just like okay, well, this dude's super cool. Like, I've never had, like, such respect for Mordo before. <laughs> just seeing that one, like, wicked move was just enough to sell me. Yeah, it's definitely a continuing thing in this movie. Like, as things go by, um, we see the, like, the there's, like, the monastery in Tibet, but also, like, a Sanctum Sanctorum in New York City. And the Sanctum's under constant attack from increasingly powerful monsters, and they kind of send strike teams from the from the monastery in Tibet, sort of led by Baron Mordo and Wong, to fight these monsters. So as Doctor Strange is sort of learning how to use magic and stuff, it's sort of bookended by these sweet set pieces. Like, as they fight uh, this horde of shadow wolves in the middle of Central Park, or a pair of huge monsters, each coming at the Sanctum Sanctorum at the same time in opposite directions and stuff like that. That sort of keeps there being magical action going at the same time that the relatively sedate training of Doctor Strange is going on. Well, it's because he, he, he's tasked with, like, demolishing a wall that keeps on getting rebuilt. Yeah. No, I think it's good. I think it's just, a, you know, it's a chance to um, keep things action-packed, but and also having Doctor Strange sort of, you know, earn his powers a little bit in the way that I think that the, that the TV, that, that, that the 1978 movie didn't do, you know? Uh, yeah, 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 it's true. Like, in this one, he sort of spends a bunch of time demolishing, like, basically breaking the bricks in the wall, but then it gets rebuilt every day, so he's got to break them again. And eventually, kind of, the Ancient One talks to him and says, like, you know, these bricks are only here because you will them to be here. You know, you got to use your mind to overcome this obstacle and stuff like that. <laughs> Which is what ends up happening, I guess, sort of, Eventually, after we sort of after Strange gets frustrated and sort of walks out of the monastery, and we got the flashback where we find out that like he became he became arrogant and eat and kind of a bad doctor because of his failure with his sister. He eventually oh, realized. Oh, good. I was just gonna say the ancient one like interrupts his like moment of reflection and just like hops into that memory and is like, "Hey, you gotta like figure this out, man. Like, she's gonna die." <laughs> Dude, you need Whoa. to let this go. Yeah. <laughs> it's like total a total invasion of privacy. Oh, you know. That's how it goes. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But at that point, um, Doctor Strange begin like has an epiphany and begins sort of his actual mystical training, I guess. We see him start to be able to manifest weapons, being able to take part in sparring with Baron Mordo and Wong and then other students and stuff. And then like, uh, most importantly, he actually takes in, in a duel with Mordo, they, like, clash their swords, and, like, Strange is having at the disadvantage of Mordo. But then he just, like, 
completely like sucks in Mordo's like air sword and uses it to create a blast against Mordo, which yeah, is he, just I guess this moment that really establishes him as being more powerful. Yeah, he's a bit he's able to absorb Mordo's ability and then and then reflect the energy back at him, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. But so eventually we kind of get to a point where um where, where Stephen Strange has sort of mastered a, a moderate amount of magic, I'd say. Like a moderate amount. He's doing all right. Yeah. And he ends up going with, on a, on a field trip back to the Sanctum Sanctorum in New York, where he learns about, like, the astral plane, that the Sanctum is this sort of nexus of realities and dimensions, one of which leads to the dark dimension, which is where Dormammu um, exists. And Dormammu sort of flies by his gateway in the nexus of realities, and that's when Doctor Strange realizes, dun dun dun, that the uh, that the fiery face he saw in that kid's coma way back when is actually the face of Dormammu. So maybe Dormammu is affecting these coma kids. And like, here's where the movie has a problem for me. Like, like you guys have his hands being broken all the time, which is like, he's like, oh man, like that one kid I saw back when I had my accident with my hands. And, like, he goes to her, and the kid looks exactly the same as she did when he first saw her way back when. Even though he's had enough time to have his hands broken, like, recover from that, travel the world getting his hands fixed, and then at the monastery learn to become a master of the mystic arts, you know? Like, that, that's at least, like, two years of, of events, you know? Yeah, fair um, enough. Yeah, okay, I get, I get that. that makes but sense. the kid is sort of the, still the same. Like, all the kids are still, like, the same height. They still look basically the same. That's all I'm trying to say. Like, they should have grown. I call Fi in this movie. I have, I have <laughs> pendant problems. Maybe that's, like, Dormammu's, like, curse on them. It's like a Peter Pan thing. Oh, whoa. Could be. <laughs> Conrad, are you calling into question the, the events that are happening in a cartoon? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what kind of person would do such a thing? <laughs> Hey, man, the unexamined life is not worth living. That's what I say. <laughs> uh, point made. But, so anyhow, anyhow, uh, Doctor Strange and Mordo kind of go to, go to this hospital and try to, and they realize that these kids, they're in comas. They're in comas because they've been possessed by Dormammu. Dormammu's entering the world through these coma kids, which is tough. Mordo's like, let's just kill these kids. And Doctor Strange is like, uh, let's try to find a better way first. <laughs> um, so apparently, so at, Doctor Strange starts entering the kids' dreams and like freeing them from Dormammu's um, spell or you know his, his his possession. At the same time, New York City is under attack by this monster called the Wing Marks. Which oh yeah, these things. Yeah, they're they're pretty cool. The flying teeth. Yeah, they're basically uh, flying bat, like green bat piranhas. There's like, there's a scene where a dude, a taxi driver, sitting in a cab, mm-hmm. and like he sees these things come up, and like they all fly into his cab, and next thing you know, there's a skeleton in the cab. <laughs> they skeletonize things real quick. It's pretty awesome. Oh, I thought they were playing a prank where they just like stole the guy and put like a fake skeleton in this spot for like Halloween. Either way, it's terrifying. <laughs> but so yeah, there's all these monsters. They're sort of killing all the disciples of the Ancient One left and right. At the same time, Doctor Strange is freeing kids from Dormammu's possession, and uh, Mordo enters um, enters the Dark Dimension and makes a deal with Dormammu to be his, like, disciple instead. So, ends in the basic way, you know, um, 
Mordo tries to kill Doctor Strange, but Strange escapes. Mordo has a showdown with the Ancient One and kills him. And then it's full down. It's full on showdown time between first Mordo and Doctor Strange. They have a big sword fight, which is and, rad. There's a scene in it where they like their swords like hit each other, and Strange just turns them into like bats, like the animal. Yeah, and that, I thought that was so cool. There's also a part where uh, where Wong fights fights um, Mordo, and it's super awesome because he like first he has two swords, then he combines the swords into uh, like a two sword glaive kind of thing, and then that, that part's pretty awesome. Like Mordo like jumps on top of the swords and like uh, attacks him and stuff. There's there's some neat sword fighting stuff. That's all I want to say. Yeah, but in the end. Um, Doctor Strange, conf- uh, it's uh, Doctor Strange versus Dormammu, who's this big, you know, floating, fiery spirit kind of thing. And Doctor Strange screws up his power and absorbs Dormammu completely inside himself. Oh, man. And it's like, hey, victory, Doctor Strange. All right. Uh, yeah, there's like a, the whole scene where he just starts like doing his, like I guess, claim to fame, which is the ability to suck energy. And so he just like absorbs Dormammu. It's, I don't know, I think, I think that's a pretty cool way to end it. It, it yeah. makes a lot of sense. It was, like, well-established. Yeah, there's a funny part where, um, like, Wong tries to hint that Doctor Strange should do something to fight Dormammu, and then Doctor, and then once Strange absorbs Dormammu, Wong's like, hey, not what I would have done, but that seemed to have worked <laughs> out pretty well. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> not exactly that. That what I so meant, good. but, yeah, close enough. Whatever. <laughs> like, we seem to have won. Okay. It's just like, hey, it wins a win, let's go. <laughs> yeah. That's part of what makes Wong so fun in this, is that he's not, like, a servant or even super respectful for Doctor Strange. He's more sort of like, no. okay. He sounds yeah. like a yeah. cool, which that I think works. is, like, All right. cool, yeah. needed. <laughs> but so, the, the movie, so the movie ends with Doctor Strange as the new, um, as the new Sorcerer Supreme. He sort of thanks the doctor that he was a jerk to at the start of the movie, puts flowers on his sister's grave. What? In her dreams. He thanks her in her dreams. Yeah. And he, like, saves all the children. Of course, yeah. Definitely saves all the children. And we kind of end with the start. Actually, this one kind of ends with a, uh, well, now we're going to go to the Doctor Strange TV show as well. Because it sort of sets (laughs) up, like, like, well, when Dormammu was absorbed a bunch of all of his, like, uh, monsters monstrous minions and stuff were leashed upon the world so we got to go um collect them like we uh we we need to get some disciples up in this place so we got to sort of do a global hunt to find some more mystic disciples and it's just sort of like hey like wong and dr strange like on the beginning of a new journey you know like we've heard one report of a uh, potential new disciple named clea Ooh. oh you're right there's like a <laughs> news story yeah yeah and so like, that's sort of, like, how it ends, sort of, at the beginning. I'm like, all right, like, stay tuned for Doctor Strange coming to a Saturday morning near you, basically. Please, <laughs> please tell might, your think, friends, watch the show. <laughs> I think they might have been trying to set up for additional movies that just didn't happen. That could yeah. have been it, too. I don't know. Because, I guess yeah, they weren't right, making cartoon shows at that point. Yeah, this is right around the time where they're, like, it was just Lionsgate making a whole bunch of uh, various uh, Marvel comics into uh, feature-length films. That's true. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, but they were definitely sort of, like... Doctor Strange 2 is heavily seated in um, at the end of Doctor Strange 1. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> so what do you think about this one, guys? Much better. 
<laughs> I, yeah. I definitely like this one a lot too. I think that, I think honestly the one gripe that I have is like when you do an origin story for Dr. Strange, it's very much sort of more grounded than I like. I think that strange is at his best when he's like unhinged and he's going, what was that Duncan? You know, flying through like space time. Yeah. I'm just saying that like, I think that like strange is, that is best when he's going through like alternate planes and like doing stuff that normal superheroes can do. So like being on earth and fighting monsters is just kind of like, you know, it's cool. And they definitely animated it well. And like the action scenes were well choreographed, but like, I don't know. I, I think that like, I would have probably liked strange round two more. Cause then they would have been able to had like the characters established and been able to go to outer space and like earth 10 or whatever you want, you know, <laughs> Yeah, I could I can definitely see that. Like there's so much you can do with yeah, just going to the straight to weird Steve Ditko universes with uh you know, uh islands floating in space and big Saturns in the background and stuff like that. <laughs> that oh, you can't really get really, Oh good. I was just gonna say something that was really cool was for the credits of this this uh cartoon, like they used a bunch of like original art from the comic books, which because of, you know, this podcast, like, I recognize those scenes now. Like, yeah, oh, shit, I really, like, I remember this battle or this, like, exact frame with, like, Clea, like, and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I really love the, I, I really love the ending credits for this movie just because of that. That because I've, it, it's all, it's basically all these still image, all these still images that are either covers or splash pages of Silver Age Doctor Strange stuff. And having done this podcast, it's really, like, I know every single one of these pictures. Like I know what I know what what issue they're from. Like what's going on as you look at them and stuff. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was a nice nod for sure. Yeah, it was definitely a good way of like paying homage to the older comics and the uh, and the stuff that's come before with this character. Definitely. Yeah, and I like the more tra- you know this is a traditional Doctor Strange version of Doctor Strange story. I really appreciate it. Just playing it straight, not trying to innovate that much. Like, there's less innovation here than there is even in this in the uh, strange comic book we read last week, the uh, J. Michael Straczynski one. Yeah, which, that was definitely a, a bit of a departure from the usual formula. Right, if just because it had, like, Dormammu be, like, Strange's childhood friend or something like that. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, like, another liberty that they took with this movie that I actually were, like, super on board with they established, like, early on that Strange somehow was able to have, like, a connection to, like, uh, the the magical realm or whatever. Like, he can see, like, the Ancient One and Wong and, like, the whole group, like, even though they're, like, under, like, a glamour spell or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. And I think and that makes sense that, like, okay, he didn't just get these powers because he was, like, in a car crash and, like, you know, was, like, selected by the Ancient One, but he... You know, there's, like, more to it going on there. Like, I, I think that it was a nice yeah. balance of both, of, like, him being chosen and being, like, a kind of, like, a, a just a dude who, like, comes across, it, across this, but then also him having some sort of, like, actual reason for, for being selected. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of of two minds about it, I guess. On the one hand, like, I don't know. I don't really like Doctor Strange as being a chosen one. I kind of like him as just being a guy that showed was showed up and was in the right place at the right time. You know what I mean? Mm. Like we're gonna see, especially in the in the comics as time goes by, Doctor Strange be, being positioned more as someone who's always been on this path and has been fated to do stuff. You know? For sure. And, and I, I think that like I don't I don't think that it should be one way or the other so much. I do. I just kind of appreciate that they tried to like balance the two. 
I hear you. As opposed to doing just like, you know, like it, it makes him a little bit more special, yeah. but then it also yeah. sort of makes his story a little bit like, it keeps his story sort of like something that you can relate to. Yeah, and, I know. And, I know what yeah. you mean. And I think him being sort of sensitive and like to spirit, to mystical things and stuff is really good. If you're telling the story, sort of starting with him not having powers and going all the way through it, you know, like the Definitely. difference between that and the comic book where we haven't really seen that is because we don't really see a lot of Doctor Strange pre magic in the comic. It's all told as a flashback with him already being master of the mystic arts and stuff. So it kind of gets hand waved away as like, eh, like that was my past life. Now I'm, I'm a different guy. I'm a different person than that old guy. So it's not even worth talking about him that much, it seems like. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, so I'd say this one way better than the last one. I think it's actually a pretty good movie sort of on its own. And if you want to show somebody like until, well, I guess until the until the movie that comes out this week comes out, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to get... Which, yeah. which, by all early indications, uh, the Doctor Strange movie is sounding really, really good. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see... What, what what I have to say with it afterwards, I guess, uh, through the magic of podcasting. But <laughs> I hear that you should just forget every other movie you've ever watched. It's so good. Interesting, but yeah, I think if you want a way to to get someone started in Doctor Strange, besides the new movie, this one's a good way to get someone just an idea of what Doctor Strange can be. You know, that's easy to do, in like in, the, in like seventy minutes or something like that. Right? What do you guys think? Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Cool. All right. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I think this is the best way to get introduced to Strange, like within a short period of time. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So, good movie watch. Um, hey, before we, we finish the podcast, it's me, Conrad, back through the magic of podcasting. <laughs> I've just seen the new Doctor Strange movie, and man, is it excellent. It's exactly what I was looking for as a Doctor Strange movie, and I spent a fair amount of the film just in wide-eyed amazement at the special effects and it was full of action and humor and little nods here and there to die-hard Doctor Strange fans like myself. Um, while the story is a little rote, like it's the classic Doctor Strange story mixed with your standard superhero origin story, the excellent cast and just amazing effects more than make up for it. If you're a fan of this podcast, you'll love this movie. Go see it. All right, this is the spoiler-free review. Please listen after the ending music of this show for the spoiler full version. Oh, one last thing. Be sure to stay after the credits of the movie to see the whole thing. Don't miss out. I think that's it for this week. If you'd like to contact the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com or interact with the show on Facebook and Instagram at strangerbythedozen and find us on Twitter at strangerbythedozen on Tumblr at strangerbythedozen.tumblr.com uh, Stranger by the Dozen is on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and any podcatching app. And remember, if you leave a five-star review on any platform, I'll read it on the show. Find Drew on Twitter at Neo of the Dark, and Duncan on the new Lucha Underground podcast, Atomic Heel Turn. I and remember, if you send me your uh, Doctor Strange-related vines, I will look at them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, send, send us all of your vines, please. From the dead. <laughs> Next week, uh, we'll finally get back to comic book action as the Defenders at last face off against the demonic six-fingered hand. Then we'll get a, they'll get a sweet new demonic team member, the Gargoyle. Nighthawk will be paralyzed, but he won't let it keep him down. 
Doctor Strange and, and Clay will go on vacation and will travel to an alternate dimension with Spider-Man to, spite, to fight a horde of Spider-Men. Nebulon, Dracula, Ghost Rider, Man-Thing, Silver Surfer, the Avengers, and every version of Satan or the Devil in Marvel history will guest star. Until then, faithful listeners, I say, if I were to tell you that ignorance has been a kind of protection for you, and that there's a price you have to pay if you are to understand your destiny, would you still choose understanding over ignorance? Until next time, for my co-hosts, Duncan and Drew, may the Vishanti guide your path. As far away from the 1978 movie as possible. <laughs> <laughs>
where someone dies and they die multiple times in just one after another using time travel or other things in montage format, you know, Groundhog Day, uh, The Edge of Tomorrow, all that stuff. These are movies I enjoy. <laughs> um, the other big fight in the movie is really awesome too. It takes between Mordo and Cas or between Strange Mordo and Casilius and his disciples. It takes place in this kaleidoscopic version of New York City that you see. You've seen the commercials with all the different buildings and stuff. It's so complicated and so much going on. It's incredibly awesome. It's just like the manipulation of reality is the kind of thing that I've seen sort of hinted at in movies like The Matrix or Inception. And here it really takes central stage. It's so good. Um, finally, I just want to talk about how the characters are treated in this movie. Um, if they had to make the ancient one a woman, then Tilda Swinton is definitely the best choice for it, I think. She's able to project the ancient one's timeless etherealness as well as act well enough to just to show regret for decisions she's made in her long life. Uh, Benedict Wong is great if underused as the character of Wong. I'm a big fan of this actor from his role as Kublai Khan in the Marco Polo Netflix show, and it's great to see him here in a very different role. I'm looking forward to seeing him way more in the later in later movies for this franchise. Also, I'm a big fan of Chiwetel Ejiofor, um, both for his role, of course, in 12 Years a Slave, but also as one of the bad guys in Serenity, where he's a cool, like, secret agent guy. It's an interesting choice to have Mordo basically be a good guy for most of the movie. And then I think it's really awesome how the reason he turns to, like, quote-unquote evil is based on righteous indignation about the Ancient One's semi-alliance with Dormammu. Like, both him and Mads Mikkelsen as Cassilius are interesting bad guys because you can really see how what's driven them to evil is this disillusionment with the Ancient One and a desire to put things right, whether it's um, Cassilius deciding to that the Dark Dimension sounds like a good deal for everybody, or Mordo deciding that, hey, like maybe magic isn't all it's cracked up to be. Either way, it's an interesting take on these characters who, you know, in the comic books are way more sort of uh, cackling, I'm evil because I'm evil kind of guys. <laughs> Finally, Benedict Cumberbatch is great as Doctor Strange. I'm uh, pre-magic, he's arrogant and proud, but you just have some glimpses of a decent person that'll draw on as a mystic master. As Doctor Strange, he's really good. Um, just his interactions with the um, with the cloak of levitation are funny, as with uh, Casilius, where they have the you know mistake about his names and stuff. I really just love it the whole the whole thing. It's all great. Oh wait, one last thing actually. So the key scene that sends Doctor Strange to Tibet is his interaction with Benjamin Bratt and how we learned that he received healing from the Ancient One, and then returned to New York City. In my opinion. This is basically the best way of getting Doctor Strange sort of on the boat to Nepal or Tibet or whatever that I've seen. Um, it gives real weight to the Doctor Strange believing that the Ancient One would be able to fix his hands when modern medicine has failed in a way that's much better than the usual overhearing random guys talking in a bar that's sort of the standard for the comic or getting like some mysterious map like we saw in the cartoon movie or whatever. Um, I really, I think it's a great way to handle sort of this one big turn that is hard to describe otherwise. And, you know, kudos to the movie makers for doing it. And just 
in general for making this Doctor Strange movie that really feels like the character of Doctor Strange in the comic books that has all of the powers and abilities we associate with him. That has him like making mystic shields to block people and stuff. You know, the only like <sighs> I wish they'd done. Uh, I wish someone had said the hoary host of Hogarth. No one did, which is a bummer. But otherwise, perfect. Go see it. If you like this podcast, if you like Doctor Strange, I don't know how you could have a problem with it. It's really, really good. Thanks. And once again, thanks you, thanks to you, the listener, for, for listening to the podcast if you made it this far. I started this podcast to help people get to know the character of Doctor Strange for this movie. And now that it's finally out, I'm even more excited to continue chronicling the adventures of this amazing character. I hope you've had as much fun going through the adventures of the good doctor as we have. We'll see you next week. And until then, may the Vishanti guide your path.